Son, and Holy Spirit. You are one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and you are all-knowing. You're omniscient, and you're everywhere present. You're omnipresent, and you're all-powerful. You're omnipotent, and we worship you. When we see you, we see ourselves so differently. And so we confess our sins to you. Those things we said and did and thought this week, we ought not to have, and the things we've left undone, Lord, forgive. And Lord, as you forgive, we, we pray that you would help us to forgive those that have wronged us. Thank you for life, and thank you for new life. Thank you for forgiving us. Thank you for giving us your spirit. Thank you for giving us your word. Thank you for a place to meet. Thank you for a beautiful day. Thank you for food to eat. Thank you for indoor plumbing. We have so much to be thankful for, Lord. And Lord, we come to you today with our needs because we are a needy people. And and we pray, Lord, that you would meet us at our place of need. Financial needs and health needs and relational struggles, we need you meet us. We pray as we open your word, Holy Spirit, that you would teach us, move among us. We pray that that you would win the loss through your word and that you would build believers and equip workers and multiply disciple makers. Lord, we do pray for, for four more people this year to have a chance to win a friend of faith in Christ. Lord, we would be so amazed to see you dis- double the number of our disciple makers or our, our evangelists. And Lord, we, we pray for revival. Will you not yourself revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, This morning, our scripture reading is from the Gospel of John, chapter 6. If you're new, welcome. We love to open God's Word and read it together. And some of you, your Bibles open automatically to Malachi. So work really hard, turn a few books later, and we'll be in John. John, chapter 6. If you don't have a Bible, it's good to bring a Bible and get familiar with it. It is God's Word. And John 6, we're going to read verse 35. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. So let's say you wanted to change the world. You wanted to change the world. How would you go about it? Uh, How would you start? You know what Jesus did? Jesus invited some people to dinner, and he prepared a meal. He prepared a meal that was so amazing that those who ate the meal never left, and they followed him for the rest of their lives. And what they ate was so amazing. Not only did they follow him for the rest of their lives, but they reached out to everybody they knew, and they invited them to come and eat a meal. Bread that would satisfy and living water that would quench thirst. Wow. And and that's what we're going to learn about this morning, about that meal Jesus prepares for people. Matter of fact, the point of today's message is is that Jesus is the bread, that Jesus is the bread. He's the bread of life. Um, And and I want you to know that what Jesus did, he's, he's still doing. What Jesus is doing in the world today is he's inviting people like you and me to a dinner. Don't you like to eat? 
And, and don't you like to eat with friends? So he invites us to come, and he prepares for us a meal that once we taste it, it's so amazing that we want to follow him for the rest of our lives, and we want to reach out to others and invite them, come, come. We have found bread. We have found drink. Come and dine with us. Um, we just finished reading Malachi, and in Malachi, what we learned is that everyone needs Jesus, right? And so if we need him, we thought it would be a really good idea to move into uh, a series called, Who Does Jesus Think He Is? I mean, who does Jesus think he is? You, you hear about some famous athlete, right, or, or um, actor, and they get pulled over by the police, and what do they say to the police? What? Don't you know what? Who I am. And so we have the opportunity to ask Jesus, I mean, who do you think you are? And he tells us, he tells us, as we walk through John, Jesus is going to reveal to us who he thinks he is. We're going to look at what's called the seven great I am's of John, uh, the seven great uh, I am's. Uh, today we're going to start with I am the bread of life, and it's going to be good. And, and, and then we're going to come back the next week, I am the light of the world. And then the next week that I am the door, and then I am the good shepherd, and then I am the resurrection and the life, then I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and I'm the vine. That's going to lead us right up to Christmas. It's going to be so good. So listen, do you want to know Jesus? Come and see him. Listen, would you like help in overcoming sin in your life? Come and see Jesus with us as we get to see who Jesus thinks he is. Are you looking for a purpose in your life big enough to give your life to come and see Jesus? Uh, do you want to live forever? Come and see Jesus. <laughs> I mean, Jesus, who does he think he is? I mean, he makes the most out amazing and incredible claims ever. I mean, like today, what does he say? He says, I am the bread of life. <laughs> now, look at John 6.35, okay, where Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Uh, he who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. I'm going to ask three questions, and the first question is, who does Jesus think he is? And, and we'll answer that. And then, what does Jesus invite us to do? What does he invite us to do? And then, what does he promise us if we'll do that? So I want you to notice, who does Jesus think he is? Notice he says, I am the bread of life. See, Jesus didn't come to help us get bread. Jesus said he is the bread. He is the bread. I am the bread. Um, and, and I want you to know, in this chapter, bread is a major thing. Bread is a major... The word bread is seven, occurs 17 times in this chapter, 17 times. And it starts, you know, the story in the beginning. In the beginning of this chapter is the feeding of the 5,000. We call it the 5,000. But really, there were 5,000 men, plus women, plus children, probably more like 20,000. So Jesus teaches this multitude, and then he says to the disciples, you give them something to eat. And they said, where could we get enough bread? And there was one boy, right, who had five loaves and two fish. Now my wife Karen says, are you kidding me, just one mom? I mean, those other moms sent their kids out with anything for lunch. Well, one mom remembered, right, she sent her son out with five loaves and two fish, and Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish, and he blessed them and multiplied them where they fed 20 20,000 people. And then, and then how many baskets did they gather up? Anybody know? Twelve. Huh. Twelve. Now, how many disciples, apostles were there? Twelve. You think there was a meaning in that? 
that Jesus was teaching his disciples that, that, listen, if we give ourselves away, if we give ourselves away, there will always be enough left for us. There were 12 baskets left over. So if you have your Bible, uh, let, let's pick up this story because it'll help us understand what Jesus means when he says he's the bread of life. In verse 15, so Jesus, perceiving that they were intending to come and take him by force to make him king, withdrew again to the mountain by himself alone. Um, Jesus had given them bread. Now, it's hard for us to appreciate that. I mean, in America, in America, we have so much food that obesity is a bigger problem in our country than starvation. But throughout history, and in most of the world today, people spend most of their time just trying to get enough food to make it through one day. And they've just met someone who could feed 20,000 people. And so they said, we want you to be king because if you're king, we'll have food for our bellies. Uh, it's hard for us to appreciate that, right? Isn't it in, in our country? They wanted to make him king because he fed them. So I love this, that uh, Jesus has had enough people. You ever had enough of people? So he leaves the crowd and he puts his disciples in a boat and sends them across to the other side. And then Jesus, what? He, he goes up on the mountain to be alone with his Father because he loved the time with the Father and the Spirit. Don't you love those times too where you just get away from people and crowds and you just get to enjoy the Lord? So Jesus goes up has some time on the, on the mountain alone, comes down. The disciples have not made much progress across the, the lake and because a storm's there. He, he walks to them. He gets in the boat, and suddenly they're to the other side. Well, the next day, people, they didn't see Jesus get into the boat, but now Jesus is there. They said, how did you get here? And we pick up the story, verse 26. Jesus answered them and said, them and said truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Now, a sign points to something. Jesus' miracles were signs. They pointed to who he is and what he had come for. And he said, listen, you missed the sign because you want me to give you bread. If you knew who I am, the bread of life, you would ask me and I would give you life, life that lasts forever. And then he said, do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man gives to you, for on him the Father God has set his seal. Don't we need to hear that? How many people, and I'm sure many of us, were working really hard. We're working hard for 30 years or 40 years or 50, so we can retire. So we can retire and have 10 years or 20 years. And do you hear what Jesus says? Don't work for food that perishes. People are forever. Oh, that we grasp that what Jesus offers us isn't 10 years of a retirement or 20 years. He offers us life forever with bodies that never wear out, to live on an earth where suddenly everything sad and broken is untrue. He offers us eternal life freely. Um, Therefore they said to him, what shall we do so that we may work the works of God? So what do we, how do we earn this eternal life? Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God that you believe. 
We don't work for it. We believe, right? That you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, what then do you do for a sign so that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? <laughs> he had just fed the multitude, right? Uh, what exactly would qualify as a sign? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written, he gave them bread out of heaven to eat. Well, well, Moses, he gave us bread out of heaven. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it is not Moses who's given you the bread out of heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. It wasn't Moses. My Father did it. My Father sent the bread out of heaven, and the manna pointed to me. The manna pointed to me, the bread of life, out of heaven who gives life, eternal life to people. Uh, <clears throat> For the bread of God is that which comes down out of heaven and gives life to the whole world. Jesus is the bread of life, and he came to bring life not only to Jewish people, but to all the nations. Then they said to him, Lord, always give us this bread, give us this bread. And that's what set up our passage for today, where Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. So... The first question, right, is who does Jesus think he is? Jesus thinks he's God. That's why he says, I am, right? Now, now many of you, you know your Bible, right? And, and some of you don't, but there was this guy named Moses, and he was retired. He was 80 years old. He was enjoying retirement. Now, a lot of you are retired, right? You enjoying that? But, but, but God called him out of retirement, at 80 years old, God had something new for him. And maybe God's calling you out of retirement too because he has something for you. And, and God said, Moses, I want you to lead my people out of Egypt. And Moses, like most of us, you know, I'm too old and I have way too many excuses. So Moses said, listen, if I go and tell your people God sent me to lead you out of Egypt and they ask me, what's your name? I don't even know your name. What's your name? Thank you. And God said, I am. I am who I am. And so Yahweh, Yahweh, what that means is, listen, I am. I just am. I am who I am. Um, so Jesus is saying, I am God. Notice as well, not only is he claiming to be God, but he's claiming that he came from heaven to, to give life to people. I am the bread of life. <laughs> now, with us, um, we think of bread as a, side dish. Um, I don't eat carbs, right? It's fattening. But for most of the world and for Jews then, bread was the main dish. Bread represented life. If you had bread, you had life. Jesus wasn't saying, I'm the side dish. He says, I'm the main dish. I'm the one that gives life, life that's abundant and life that's eternal. Don't many of us view him kind of as the side dish? You know, maybe we need him, maybe we don't. No, no, he says, I'm the bread. Um, in a couple of weeks, we'll be in John 10, and we'll read verse 9 and 10, where Jesus said, I am the door. Now, notice what he says, if anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and find pasture. We enter through Jesus, he, he's the door, but, but then we find true food. We find true food, right? The thief came only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. 
So who does Jesus think he is? He thinks he's God made man, the bread of life, the one who offers people life that's abundant and eternal. Now, what does Jesus invite us to do? What does he invite us to do? He invites us to come to him, right? He who comes to me, the person who brings his hunger to him, and he who believes in me, he invites us to bring our thirst him. Are you hungry? He says, come. Are you thirsty? He says, come. And what does he promise us? That if we would bring our hunger to him, we would never hunger again. And if we brought our thirst to him, we would never thirst again. In verse 40 of the same chapter, for this is the will of my father that everyone who beholds the son, do you see him? Do you see the bread of life? Do you? Everyone who beholds the Son and believes in Him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise Him up on the last day. Um, Listen, Jesus invites us to come to Him. He invites us to believe in Him. He promises us that we would find eternal life, an abundant life now, life that lasts forever. We'd find satisfaction for our soul. And um, how how do we get it? Uh, How do we get this? We believe in him, right? We believe in him. Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes has eternal life. Uh, So according to John 6, 47, who has eternal life? Say it a little louder. So it's really important to understand what? What it means to believe, doesn't it? So so what exactly is he talking about, that those who believe in him have eternal life? Because most people in America would say they believe in Jesus in some way or another, right? So, So listen, to believe in Jesus means that we really understand and we believe the gospel, starting with the bad news of the gospel. The the Bible says, for all have sinned and falls short of the glory of God. For all have sinned and falls short of the glory of God. Do you know what that verse means? That most people are farsighted. Did you know that we're farsighted? You know what farsighted means. We can see things far away real clearly, but we can't see what? What's close to us. Don't don't you see that in our country where people say, what's wrong with our country is what? Those people. Those people are sinful. Those people are messed up. But what? what? They they don't see themselves. So listen, when, when you see so clearly the flaws of others, always remember this. They see what? They see your flaws. And you know what really matters is that what? That God sees our sin. Um, Listen, for all of sin and falls short of the glory, we've all done things, said things, thought things. The people around us know. We've all failed to do what we ought to. God knows. Listen, sin is primarily a crime against God where we disobey God's commandments, and when we do that, we break His heart. It's not just breaking His commandments, though. It is that we break His heart because He loves us. And we've sinned against God over and over again, and what we deserve, God says, is hell. We deserve to be separated from Him and from all good things forever. Well, what do we do? That's the good news. Jesus is the bread of heaven. We can't save ourselves, so the bread of heaven came out of heaven. God the Son put on flesh and came to earth, who lived a perfect life for us, and then He went to the cross. 
And the one who had never sinned became sin, and our sin was placed on Jesus, and he died in our place. Listen, he died for us once and for all, paying in full the penalty for our sins, saying it's finished. And on the third day, he walked out of the tomb, proving he had conquered sin and death, and he offers eternal life to us as a free gift. He offers to forgive us. He offers us the chance to do life with him and eternity with him. And he promises that to all who believe in him. Do you? You see, believing in Jesus really is as simple as A, B, C, where we admit and believe and commit. It starts when we admit the bad news is true about us, that I have sinned against you and I'm sorry. And if you've never done that, won't you do that now? Or I'd be glad to assist you when we close in prayer. Don't you want to be forgiven? Don't you want to do life with Jesus? Don't you want to live forever? Admit. And then we believe Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins and rose. And then we commit, Jesus, I'm going to quit trusting in me and trust you. You be my Savior. I'm trusting you, not me. Forgive me. Give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life. Help me be the person you want me to be, won't you? Uh, And if you have, don't you hear what it says? Truly, Truly I say to you, he who believes has eternal life. If you believe, you have eternal life. It doesn't begin when you die. It began the moment you trusted Christ. The moment you trusted Christ, you were forgiven. And listen, we get a friend to do life with, a friend who promises he's never leaving. We get a purpose in life big enough to give our lives to, and we get a future to be with our friend forever. Isn't that what Jesus is talking about in verse 35? I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. <laughs> our city is named after Augustine. You know what Augustine once said? That our hearts are restless. Our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. And it's so true. What our hearts long for is for forgiveness, and Jesus gives it to us. What our hearts long for is a friend and a purpose in life, and that's what Jesus gives us. What our hearts long for is a future, and that's what Jesus gives us. So, so far, we've looked at who does Jesus think he is? He, he thinks he's the bread of life. And, and what does he invite us to do to come to him and believe in him? And what does he promise us? Eternal life, satisfaction for our souls. So I, I want to move now to our action step for the week, our action step for the week. What I would like you to do is to pursue your joy in Jesus to pursue your joy in Jesus. I believe every one of us, everything we do is about pursuing our joy. Every one of us wants to be happy. We're always pursuing our happiness, but what we need to learn to do is to pursue our happiness, our joy in Jesus. Because Jesus said what? He said, I'm the bread of life. Uh, He who comes to me will not hunger, that if we pursue our joy in Jesus, our hunger will be satisfied. And he who believes in me, if we bring our thirst to him, he'll quench our thirst. So I'm going to ask you a question now. We've been learning about the bread of life and, and drinking living water. Why do we eat? Why do we eat? Why? Now, some people among us are health food people, right? And they'll say we eat for our health, right? That we eat to sustain life and that what we eat is very important, right? We eat for our health and that's true, isn't it? But there's other people here and they'll say, no, no, it's not health, it's for enjoyment. Food tastes good. Uh, It's it's delightful to eat, right? It tastes good. But do you know what most of the people in the world would say? Most of the people in the world would say it's relational. 
It's the most relational part of our time. And so what we're going to learn is how to pursue our joy in Jesus for our health, for our enjoyment, for healthy relationships, because all three are true. It starts with pursuing Jesus for our health. We need to come to Jesus for our spiritual health. Um, um, this week, um, uh, for our health, when, when we believe in Jesus and, and He moves in, He says, follow me, and He becomes our model, our model for, for a life and ministry. And so if we want to know how to come to Jesus for our spiritual health, then, then we get to know Jesus. So you know the story, right, that, that Jesus is 30 years old and he gets baptized. The Holy Spirit descends on him and he hears what all of us long to hear. He hears his father say, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. So Jesus' identity was confirmed, right? And he began to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. We can walk like that too because we can find out who we are from, from his word, can't we? And aren't we given the Holy Spirit too? So in Matthew chapter 4, Verse 1, then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he then became hungry, and the tempter came and said to him, if you are the Son of God. So how does Satan attack him? Uh, his identity. And what had the Father just told him? You are my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And, and why did he have the Spirit to remember what the Father said? Isn't that true of us? And the tempter came and said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. And he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Oh, there is something better than bread. It is the Word of God. Are we like that? Man, Sunday comes, and we can't wait because Jesus serves something better than bread. He serves the Word of God. I mean, we eat three meals a day, right, and some of us snack. Do, do we hear Jesus in the morning when we have a chance to have breakfast with Him? Come, come for your health. Come and eat. Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Every word in this book is from the mouth. What if we believe that? Wouldn't we want to be in it? Now, we're reading through the New Testament together, right? And uh, so I'm doing that, and I want you to know I'm also reading through the Bible because I do that every year. And there's a time every year where I pass myself. And I pass myself this week. And I pass myself reading through 2 Timothy. I was reading through the Bible as I was at 2 Timothy, and the study was to read 2 Timothy. So someone asked me, what did I do? I read it twice. And they say, Smiley, you are sick. <laughs> and I am. But I wanted it in the year to say I've read through the New Testament twice and the Bible once. So it was in 2 Timothy and I read through that. And then I read Hebrews. And that's where we're going to be this week in the study. It's going to be so good. But let me share with you how Jesus says man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So I was reading in Hebrews chapter 2. And I read verse 1. For this reason, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away from it. Oh, man, 
We eat three meals a day to take care of our bodies. And it's saying, listen, we really need to take God's word inside of us so we don't drift away from what matters most. Have you seen how many Christians in our culture, they're drifting away from, from the faith because our culture is becoming hostile? It's so important that we eat God's word so we don't drift with our culture. For this reason, we must pay much closer attention to what we've heard so that we do not drift away from it. For if the word spoken through angels proved unalterable and every transgression and disobedience received a just penalty, how will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? After it was at the first spoken through the Lord, it was confirmed to us by those who heard, God also testifying with them both by signs and wonders and by various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit according to His own will. Jesus was on earth. We heard Him. And listen, as we've written the scriptures, listen, this revelation has been confirmed by signs. Oh, man. Man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And if that didn't get my attention, I'm in the next chapter. And I read the same thing again. In chapter 3, verse 12, Take care, brethren, that there not be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. Don't fall away. Don't fall away. Doesn't the Bible say don't be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind? Listen, fill your mind with God's Word so you don't fall away from the living God. But encourage one another day after day. Don't fall away. Keep eating God's Word. Man does not live by bread alone but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. But encourage one another day after day as long as it is still called today so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Don't let our culture harden your heart in sin, for we have become partakers of Christ. We eat and drink Christ if we hold fast the beginning of our assurance firm until the end. Um, so listen, to pursue your joy in Jesus, we pursue our joy in Jesus for our health. We need to be nourished continually on the Word of God and the Spirit of God, okay? Hmm. But secondly, pursue your joy in Jesus for our enjoyment. There's more to eating than our health. There's delight and enjoyment. And once again, Jesus is our model. Jesus models for us how we can delight in doing the things of God. In John chapter 4, the disciples are going through Samaria that, listen, Jewish people didn't do, but Jesus did because there was a woman in Samaria he wanted to win, and a village he wanted to win. So Jesus sends his disciples into Sychar, into a, a Samaritan city, and he witnesses to a woman, an immoral woman, an immoral Samaritan woman, wins her to faith in Christ. Uh, then, then she goes into town, and we pick up the story in, in John chapter 4, verse 31. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. Uh, but he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. <laughs> I love the disciples. They're so like me. They're so clueless. So the disciples were saying to one another, no one brought him anything to eat, did he? And Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Oh, there is something that satisfies my hunger and thirst so much better than bread. It is to do the will of my Father. That's what satisfies my soul. Have you tasted that? 
Jesus delighted in winning people to Christ. He delighted in making disciples. That's what satisfied his heart. And notice what he says. Um, Do you not say there are yet four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields that they are white for harvest. Hey, have you noticed our county? People are coming in our county from everywhere. He says, look, look. There are some people that I'm discipling. And you know what? They're having the time of their life. For the first time in their life, they're winning people to faith in Christ. They're beginning to disciple people. And they're saying, this is better than food. Oh, have you tasted something that's better than food? We settle for way too little, don't we? Huh. Uh, it's really important that we come to Jesus because we delight in Him. Listen, we find purpose, but, but more than that, <laughs> this week I'm reading this little booklet, and someone defines a disciple as a follower of Jesus, and then says a disciple is a follower of Jesus. A disciple is someone who's trying not to sin. Now, listen, I'm all for not sinning, okay? I just think that's a very bad strategy to overcome sin is to try not to sin. Let me illustrate that for you. Now, I don't want you to think about cheese biscuits from Red Lobster, okay? I mean, the first five minutes, not after they're cold, but the first, you know how they're hot and cheesy and all? Now, don't think about it. How are you doing? Not real good. But what if I said, oh, man, I love chocolate peanut butter ice cream. Don't you know that Mr. Reese's is in heaven? Don't you know that? I mean, he put chocolate and peanut butter together. And then if you mix chocolate and peanut butter with ice cream, and they're all three together, now, have you forgotten about the cheese biscuits? Okay. Listen, if we want to overcome sin, we need a greater love. I had the best young life leader in all the world because he didn't spend much time talking about my sin. But he showed me Jesus. Isn't he beautiful? Isn't he wonderful? Don't you want to follow him? Listen, the expulsive power of a new and greater affection. Listen, to tell someone who's looking at pornography, don't look! To tell someone who eats too much or drinks too much, don't do it, won't be helpful. Oh, but if we can help them or help you see Jesus, if you can experience the expulsive power of a new and greater affection, that's what Jesus said. He said, listen, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will not thirst. When we're satisfied in Christ, we have supernatural power to overcome the sins that hold us. That's why one of my favorite verses is 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I love this verse. For the love of Christ controls us. Now notice that. It doesn't say what controls us is trying not to sin. What it's saying is Christians, disciples, have found a greater love, greater than anything they've experienced, and that's set them free. That's why we say a disciple is a follower of Jesus. A disciple loves Jesus. That's why he follows him. A disciple loves one another. That's why they follow Jesus. A disciple loves the lost. That's why they're following Jesus. Notice what it says, for the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all. And he died for all. Why? So that they who live 
might no longer live for themselves. They might have a new and greater love that they might no longer live for themselves, but for Him who died and rose again on their behalf. Listen, this week, pursue your joy in Jesus. Listen, we, we eat the bread, we, we drink living water because we need it for health. We, we do it because that's what frees us. It's for enjoyment. That's what frees us from sin. That's what brings us purpose. But I think my favorite is to pursue your joy in Jesus. The reason we come to Him and eat is it's highly relational. It's, it's highly relational. You, you do know my favorite verse, right? Revelation 3.20. Have you ever looked at this verse? This is how most of the world sees eating. Most of the world thinks of food as relational. And so it is Jesus. So he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and will dine with him and he with me. <laughs> Eating together is about friendships. Jesus is saying, let's be friends. When you get up on Sunday morning, do you hear Jesus in the kitchen preparing breakfast for you? Do you? Do you hear? And not only does he invite us to eat, but you know, he is the meal. When we gather, He serves us the bread of life that satisfies. He serves us living water that quenches our thirst. Isn't that why we run? When you get up in the morning, do you hear Him at work in the kitchen? Do you hear Him? Then He invites us to breakfast, but not only does He invite us to breakfast, that He is the breakfast. He says, come and eat the bread of life that satisfies. Come and drink living water and thirst no more. <laughs> oh, and you know what happens when we do that? We want to invite others too, don't we? Hey, listen, we have found this bread. You've got to come. We found this living water. You've got to come and drink. Um, you see that John who wrote, John also wrote 1 John. And listen to what he says in 1 John 1. What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. And the life was manifested and we have seen and testify and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. Listen, we've been walking with Jesus. We've been eating with Jesus. <laughs> and we want you to come and experience him too. Now notice what he says, what we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also, so that you too may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son. So on Sundays we come and eat, right, so that we can go out, right, and invite others, come, we found living bread, we found the bread of life, we found living water. I mean, you do know what a witness is, is don't you? It's just one beggar inviting another beggar where to find bread. Hasn't Jesus satisfied our hunger and thirst? Aren't we surrounded by hungry, starving, thirsty people? How can we eat and drink without being compelled to go out and say, come, come, come and eat? Now, I love this verse. Listen, what we have seen and heard we proclaim to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. Isn't it interesting? The first thing he says we invite people is to come and have fellowship what, with, with us, with us. And then our fellowship is with His Son, Jesus Christ. And then I love this. These things we write so that our joy may be made complete. Man, every time we see someone come to faith in Christ, we see someone's life changed by Christ, doesn't that make our joy complete? 
So you know what? Today we've been able to eat living bread. We've drink uh, we, the bread of life. We've been able to drink living water. Who, who, who do you want to share that with? Who do you know who's so overwhelmed by their failures that they would love to hear how they could be forgiven? Won't you go and share with them what you've learned? Who do you know who's destroying their lives because their lives are so, so empty? Won't you go and share with them how what their soul really longs for is the bread of life and for living water? Won't you? Who do you know who's trying really hard not to sin and failing all the time? Won't you go and share with them? Listen, what you need is the expulsive power of a new and greater affection. What you need to experience is the love of Jesus Christ. Who do you know? Who do you know <clears throat> that really is, is worried about dying? Won't you go and share with them how we can have eternal life and enjoy Jesus forever and ever? Oh. Oh, man, I'm so thankful to be a Christian, aren't you? <laughs> we get to eat with Jesus. How amazing is that? I mean, food that's so amazing, who could ever live? And when you taste it, you simply have to invite others to come and eat with us, don't you? Oh, dear people. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. Let's pray. Jesus, you are the bread of life. You've come down from heaven so that we could live forever. Thank you. And, and listen, if you're here and, and you've never put your faith in Jesus, you've never received the free gift of eternal life, won't you? Because one day it'll be too late. Won't you? Tell Jesus, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. And I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And I want you to come into my life and and be my Savior, and forgive me, and give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life. Help me be the person you want me to be. Oh, if you've done that for the first time, won't you mark it on your card? We'd love to celebrate with you. And Jesus, I pray for all of us who've received you that this week we would pursue our joy in you, that we would spend time with you for our health, that we would fill up with the Word of God and, and the Spirit of God. And Lord, I pray this week that we would pursue our joy in You because we delight in spending time with You. We want Your purpose in our life, that our food is to do Your will. And Lord, I pray for those of us who are struggling with sins in our life, that we would look at You. Holy Spirit, show us how beautiful Jesus is. Help us to be amazed at Jesus Help us to experience the expulsive power of a new and greater affection. And Lord, help us to pursue our joy in you, that, that eating is so relational. May we eat with you. May we eat the bread of life. May we drink living water. And Lord, as we're satisfied in you, help us to go to the people around us who are starving and thirsty and invite them to come, come and eat the bread of life. Come and drink living water and never hunger and never thirst again. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen.